Greetings, Ochar, and Happy New Year. This is Marsha Vaughn, the host of The Talk About, welcoming you to our first episode of 2024. I'm happy to introduce you to today's panel of real estate experts, Jackie Tanner, Jay Kreller, Nada Bazinski, and today we have a special guest, Amy Guskowitz. Welcome to all of you, and many thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to be here this afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So guys, a new year always means new predictions for the real estate market. Everyone from economists to developers to politicians has an opinion on what's to come in terms of the housing market and its growth or lack thereof. But for our market here in Orange and Chatham counties, I can't think of anyone better than the four of you to tell us what you're seeing now and where you think we're going. Let's hold off on talk about where we're going, but let's start with this. What's our market look like from the big sky perspective at this point in time? And for our listeners, today is January 16th. Well, we've had our first listing of the year, which ended up with 30 some odd showings in three days and multiple offers. Uh, went under contract in four days. Uh, it was a good house. It wasn't anything outstanding in the five to 600 price point. Wow. Well, that sounds like two years ago. Well, it was. It was a little surprising. Even even we were surprised by the level of activity. So we're off to a good start. But I think what it shows is that there are a lot of pent-up buyers, a lot of people coming off the bench saying, hey, interest rates are showing a little bit of improvement. I want to jump in. A lot of our feedback was, hey, we've just started. We've just started. We've just started. But I think it's, I think it's going to be a hopping year. With an election year, I don't think they're going to monkey with the interest rates too much going up. I think it might go down a little bit. I think that's going to spur a lot of activity. Jackie, I think you were mentioning earlier somebody you know who had the busiest December he's ever had. Correct. Yes. Um, and he himself was really surprised by that. Um, and I have to say, after having unplugged a little bit over the holidays, coming back um, and having them about a week, uh, writing an offer today in a multiple offer situation uh, in a significantly over a million price point, um, not getting it because, again, I think my clients weren't really quite ready and don't have that trust level with me yet. To, but I, I was sitting there thinking, you know, how do I advise them here? Where are we? Are we in the high due diligence? Are we in the over asking? Uh, the feedback I got from the listing agent was it was over asking, high due diligence, short due diligence, quick closing, cash. Again, uh, it sounds two, like two, two years ago. Offers. Correct. Um, and I also will say that when I realized what the interest rates were when I when I came back, I thought, oh, okay, so this is what we were talking about last year that we were thinking was going to happen. I would not be surprised if that um, if what Jay was just talking about is is what comes to pass here is that people mm -hmm. are going to get off the fence, finally. Uh, and whether we see more inventory or not, um, right? You know, I'm still down on my knees praying for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all are. Yeah, Nada, what are you seeing? Fourth quarter of last year, I think, was indicative of, for me, of what I think I'm going to be looking at this quarter. Is it was it was the busiest I've ever had, and it's usually quite slow in November. But I had a great November. Congrats! Thank you. Um, I agree with everything that's been said, and I think the interest rates coming down a bit, and just that feeling of, okay, it's not seven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anything under seven is like, oh, okay. And I think the problem with yeah, it, isn't it interesting how we adjust yeah. our, and buyers adjust their perspective when that happens. Right. And I think that um, I think it, as far as inventory goes and loosening that up, I think it is going to be interesting to see just because 
if you're sitting on a interest rate under three that people had three years ago during COVID or whatever before, somewhere in that range, sometimes two and a half, maybe three and a half percent, there people have been so hesitant to to put themselves put their house on the market as a seller, and I think that's really just held up inventory. But I think people are because they're seeing more. If they see more buyer activity, maybe they too will get off the fence and realize this may be our new normal for many years to come. You know, maybe if it goes down and they can think about, okay, well, we could refinance. No, we're not going to have a two and a half or three percent interest rate on a new house that we're going to buy and we have to recalibrate what it is that we're looking for. Maybe, you know, we can't afford what we would have been able to afford a few years ago as a seller getting into the buyer market to put their house on the market. But I think that Mm -hmm. it is going to be a strong spring. It feels it already. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Amy, I know you've been active and I know you've had clients that have experienced some creative financing options mm-hmm. too. What what are you seeing, feeling out there? Yeah, I, I've um, written the first offer where I've used a seller credit for a interest rate buy down. And that was really exciting to my uh, first time home buyer to have that opportunity. And it was a $30,000 credit, which I was a little bit like, wow, that's a lot for a builder to offer. Um, But it worked out great for my buyer. Um, I also have a listing that went under contract right after the holidays, um, right as interest rates came down. It was on the market since early fall and had really great feedback, some good showings, but just didn't get an offer. And it went under contract as soon as the interest rates came down. And I noticed another home in the same neighborhood in a similar price point, similar length of days on market also went under contract within about the same week. And so I think there are buyers that were just waiting for the interest rates to get a little better and and they acted when they did. Hmm. Wow, you guys, this is not what I was expecting to hear from you. So this is exciting news. It really is. I mean, I'm I'm sensing a huge momentum in in the works. I think well, so. It's a huge momentum providing we have inventory. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to, I don't think there's going to be any question. We're going to have buyers who are like, okay, I'm, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in. Mm-hmm. But I, I am not sure we're going to have enough sellers who are willing to take a chance on their next buy. Or if you think about cycle disruptions, you think about all the folks who bought five years ago with those three, three and a half percent interest, that's a normal time for somebody to look for their next house. Well, they're not going to be looking for their next house because their interest rates are going to double. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. still that's still yeah. a thing. So we have a normal cycle that is not going to happen because people aren't going to trade up because I'm not going to trade my three and a half percent interest or three percent interest for six and a half or seven just to buy up in house. That mm-hmm. it's a step backwards. I think so there will be some see, people that just get tired of waiting and I jump think so. in. There but there are going to be some people tired. But what we're going to see is that a lot of those people they're going to want to hold on to that super low interest rate, and we're going to continue with an inventory shortage. Mm-hmm. Is the nut mm-hmm. of that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I you guys agree? agree with agree. that. Yeah. Oh, well. I was excited there for a minute. <laughs> okay. The spring market is six weeks away. What do you think we're going to see in terms of inventory? Oh, you just answered that question. But which represents the seller's mindset and then just as relevant uh, buyer's behavior? I don't know where you get the six weeks from in the sense that in my real estate experience, the spring, what we call the spring market, has correct, has started anywhere from late January, beginning of February, and sometimes it's not until April. Uh, I think this year it's going to be on the very early end of that. Okay, Um, interesting. I I think we're going to have an early spring market. And why do you guys think that? 
Because it's starting already. I feel like it's starting Yeah, I already. just feel like, the, I, I feel the, I've only been back a week, but I feel the vibrations in, mm-hmm. the, in the universe. So there is momentum. Well, there's buyer momentum. Yes. Yeah. We 100%. still don't have the inventory momentum to match it. I, I absolutely agree. I think I've gotten three or four new buyers in the last week and one seller, and the seller is pushed out in time frame. It's, they're talking summer list. And yeah, I, I think, mm-hmm. agree completely that it's definitely going to be lots of buyers, and do we have enough inventory to meet their needs? Mm-hmm. So much for my March 1st. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Well, I'm going away for February. <laughs> so we're going to be back to the 2020 craziness, if that's the case. I, I think so, especially or in the beginning. Yeah, and, and again, if interest rates take a further dip so that some of these people who locked in at like four and a half or five might consider, well, it's only a 1% difference from there. Mm-hmm. So we might see a little inventory if we go down a little bit in interest rates, but it's going to take a full percentage point or point and a half before we see a true, like, shift in sellers being well willing to trade up or trade down so i bet none of you can remember you youngsters when lenders were offering rates in the high teens because my husband and i bought our first home in 1981 with a mortgage rate of 18 percent i feel like i've seen it all when it comes to rate changes and the accompanying fears uh, I, I'm not pretending to be an economist, but after watching the mortgage market fluctuate for over 40 years, I have trouble paying too much attention to predictions. I tend to tell my clients only time will tell. And if you look at history, 6.5%, which is about where we're at right now, is not an unreasonable rate to pay. As it changes, can it translate to raised expenses for buyers, which might be a game changer for them? Absolutely. I don't think it should scare them away. Um, they, have, they have options, but need to look for lenders offering creative solutions. What do you guys think? Just two years ago, just yeah. three years ago, 3%. this was the rate. But you're talking about the short term. It, and if you're talking to economists, you know, they're not looking at just... We're not selling houses to economists. We're selling years. houses to millennial buyers. They've got a 20-minute attention span. But if you tell them that the 40-year average was, what was it, 6.7 or right. something, right? Like, right. That's what I'm I'm not arguing them. that 6.5 is not a favorable rate. 6.5 is a favorable rate. It, in, in, from a historical perspective, it absolutely is. <laughs> I'm just saying that this, this is our challenge, is communicating this in a way that they understand that 6%, 6.5% is actually a favorable rate and still a good long-term move for them. But it's going to take a lot of education on our parts. It's going to take a lot of language on our parts to help them understand that, yes, a group of people got some extremely great interest rates. That's probably not coming back. This may be the best we can do moving forward. And your other option is not to move forward. And that's going to, you're, going to, you're going to miss a boat again. So we've got to work on that. We've got to practice it. We've got to you know, work on our spiels with our buyers, letting mm-hmm. them know that mm-hmm. I get it. It's not as good as it was two years ago. But it's... Yeah. No, well put, Jay. Well put. Price current buyers about it. I think the, the topic about the, the four, you know, the 40-year average is, is much more helpful in terms of trying to put some kind of context and perspective. I think the other thing is I'm working with some – I have some folks under contract. First week in January, I got some a young first-time homebuyer couple under contract, and it was a house that had been on the market for a while, and it was um, overpriced. And it was, a, it was a Zillow listing, and Zillow overpaid for it, and basically, you know, the consequences of that 
played out over time. So, but anyway, I, I think that when I was talking to them, they were contemplating, you know, do we kind of wait it out? Do we keep renting? But their rent is $2,700 a month, mm -hmm. right? So nothing is cheap anymore. So That's my if, point. You're, if you're renting at $2,700, $2,800 a month for something that a lot of people are having to, to pay to be comfortable in a two or three bedroom, whatever it is, type of rental, whether it's an apartment or a townhouse or home, and you think about that time passing for another year that they've just basically thrown away 30 some thousand dollars on rent. That was the decision for them when they realized, well, yeah, we could wait, but this house works and does it have to be our forever home? No. Would it work great for, you know, five to seven years? Absolutely. Do we know what's going to happen in that time for interest rates? No, but you know, this is affordable for us and we're going to be in it for less than we're paying rent. And I think that's kind of where the conversations are going to start heading to me mm -hmm. anyway. So are you finding them going for adjustable rate mortgages then at no. that point with the hope that it's going to go down? I don't think so. No. No, no but it just again, I feel like they they realized for them and I think it just makes sense that rather than paying $32,000 roughly in rent for a year that they have nothing to show for, they'd rather put that money into a mortgage. Right. Who do you want to make rich? Your right. landlord? Or yourself. That's one of my favorite sayings is just remember you're always paying somebody's mortgage. You're yep. just paying your own or you're paying your landlord's. Mm -hmm. So that's the choice. And we talked about that and I said, you know, even if you hang on to it for a couple years, if you just can't stand it, the, the prices here are only <laughs> going to appreciate. It's not a bad investment. It may not be the perfect house for you, but they liked it. Really, They really liked it. Did it check every single box? No. But it was... They were saving money from what they would be paying if they were to extend their lease for another year. And they have something that is going to appreciate, even if it's even if they only hang on to it for a couple years and they decide then to change, move up, you know, move to a, a different town in the triangle, whatever it is, I didn't see a downside and I think they didn't either at that point, you know? Yeah, that's the language that I'm talking about that we have to start working yeah. on. We have to start selling the idea of buying houses as a good investment, investment. even investment. at six and a half percent. Yep, mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. I think that all realtors could uh, use their social media and put together a video of themselves presenting what you just said, Nada, and uh, all of you, and uh, send that message out to people considering their first home. Social media? I've heard of it. <laughs> God. <laughs> We don't have the right people around. Wrong. And I'm the only Wrong one. crowd. <laughs> okay, so back to uh, financing. What are you seeing out there? I mean, Amy had this incredible offer from a builder for the $30,000 credit, and there was flexibility for that client in terms of how they wanted to use that money. Well, I know somebody who bought down a rate for not a ridiculous amount of money. It made a huge difference in their monthly payment. What else are you talking to your clients about or hearing from lenders? Anything? Anything interesting? Well, I mean, buying down the rate, you're just prepaying, you know, it's sort of down. Then For people just... who have some cash or maybe parents are helping or... So I think there are still a fair amount of houses on with the market. Break -even that, is that with break-even is with paying down the... You know, it yeah. wasn't just the market disruptors that were out there that were overpriced because they overpaid. I think there were some, you know, normally listed houses that were still right thinking they were riding a wave that didn't exist anymore yeah um and i think if you go to those people with the idea that they don't really have to adjust their list price but the, the seller can 
can give a concession in that way. And, you know, I hate the cliche of win-win, but it really is a win-win. Mm-hmm. I, it was interesting to me that a builder was offering that, right? Mm-hmm. Because it has been a long time since we've seen builders, builders do anything. being exactly willing right. to concede Anything. anything that's like valuable intel i'm filing mm-hmm. that one away correct. like correct. it's been a long time since i've had a builder do anything and it and it was offered to be used in any way that the buyer chose to use it so they would make changes to the home they would add appliances blinds rate buy down or a combination of those things cool beans what was the price range of that build uh low fives okay interesting yeah. that was an interesting little mm-hmm. tidbit to me um mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm i'm not going to name them but a known no they have a lot of inventory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else about the future? <laughs> so I, I have no idea if this applies to what we're talking about today, but you, you know, something was brought up earlier that I wanted to mention, you know, talking about first-time buyers and getting money from mom and dad. We also need to give the kids the language to mom and dad, right? Um, and I can't remember which financial guru get, worked out the numbers, but he basically said, a parent giving their child $25,000 to buy their first house is the equivalent to them leaving them $250,000 in 20 years. Hmm. Parents need to understand the bump up helping children buy their first houses is. We need to do a better job of getting that out because I'm really worried for a lot of reasons about what's going to happen to our first-time buyers moving forward. Right. You mean first-time buyers who are still looking for their first home? or Trying, first to, trying to break into the market is going to get harder and harder. That yeah. price point goes up, going up exponentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there are some lenders doing low-down, zero-down uh, mortgages. That's helping a little bit. But it's hard to pay $3,000 a month in rent and save money to put 20% down on a house to avoid PMI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like we've got to start reminding parents that th- there's a lot of ways to look at this formula you yeah, you save all this money but leave your kids a bundle in the end the kids don't need it then they need it mm-hmm. when they're starting out mm-hmm. so you all have buyers coming to you who are let's talk about first-time buyers and they're saying here's my budget it's low low amount and i want to live someplace in the triangle mm-hmm. how do you advise them where should they be looking buckle up buttercup it's going to be a wild ride Okay. We're out in the boonies. I mean, if you want a detached house. Oh. Okay. If you want a detached Let's, house, I, I, I think we touched on this in a previous podcast many months did. ago. We did. Um, I, I have driven more miles. Okay. And so let's let's get specific. Got a young couple coming to you. They've got $350,000. In hand or a budget? A budget. Okay. They would like to be in a uh, detached detached home, not out in the boonies. You get a that. lot of that. So mm-hmm. how do you advise them? I think they have to be willing to compromise on in some way. Um, so I got someone under contract um, this fall in that price point, a little actually lower than that, more like 300. And they compromised on the condition of the home. They w- knew they were going to need to make some changes and, and do some things. And so I think that they, they need to be a little bit more um, not looking for the perfect house, but looking for the possibilities. Makes sense. I, I second that. I mean, I, that that's exactly where I have a young couple who they've just signed on a rental. Amy's met them. Um, they're up to 350. Uh, I think a lot of what's been coming up is in Durham, but mm-hmm. we're looking in 
in neighborhoods that they necessarily wouldn't have chosen. But, um, but Durham is certainly not out in the boonies. Mm-mm. No, but but then the, the, you know, the balance between a neighborhood that they're going to enjoy living in and the fixer-upper status, that's where we're going to mm-hmm. have, that's going to be a fine line to tread. See, I've, got, I've got the opposite problem. I took in uh, a couple this weekend that are looking for their first home. Their budget's 350000 uh, they have very little money down, but they've got access to VA. Mm. VA allows for that zero down, which is great, but here's the thing. They're both very handy and are totally willing to take on a fixer-upper, but VA won't loan on a fixer-upper. Mm. Seriously? Oh, yep. oh I didn't The know VA that. appraisers will stop something for a hole in the siding. So it's really, they've got to catch up, too. Mm-hmm. If they want to actually help their veterans get into their first homes, they've got to start giving a little wiggle room on those VA appraisals mm-hmm. um, I, you know but that's that's out of our hands we yeah. can't we can't control that very interesting Nita what are you doing with those first first time green around the ears yeah lookers? It's, it's hard I feel like the people that I've worked with it's a little bit different because I, I feel like we're fortunate you know in this area that a lot of times you know both people have income and it's it seems to me like the people that I've worked with are pretty sharp. They've done their homework and they have looked on the various sites, you know, Zillow or whatever, and they 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 see what they think they want. And by the time they come to me, I mean, I think they have a pretty good feel for for what they want. Um, three to four hundred, it just feels non-existent. You know, that used to be like. I think about Woodcroft as sort of that classic, mm-hmm. wonderful, first typical first-time homebuyer neighborhood, Hope Valley Farms. You know, that whole corridor in there was just so wonderful. Woodlake, you know. Um, last year, I had buyers. There was a house in Woodlake. Maybe it was two years ago. It was in the height of the market. And I had never seen anything in Woodlake priced um, in the 500s, right. much less... And this house ended up, it was higher than anything I'd ever, I'd, I did a history, I did a search, and they ended up offering, it was listed at 550, they, they offered 625, and I wanna say $75,000 of due diligence. You know, just again, it was the peak of the market when it was crazy, when interest rates were still low, and they didn't get it. They didn't get it, and that house ended up closing for $650,000, and it was, it was a fine house, but it was, you know, it mm-hmm. it was just a pretty basic, you know, house. Masonite siding, polyethylene. Yeah, plumbing. and it needed stuff. And so I think that that, you know, unfortunately, these neighborhoods that have sort of historically been these traditional first-time homebuyer neighborhoods in Chapel Hill, it might be Briarcliff, you know, that sort of thing. I think the days are gone, unfortunately, of that three to four hundred thousand dollar price range, it feels like you you really can't get much in terms of a detached home that doesn't need a lot of work. Mm-hmm. We're not you know? California yet, but it's I, I feeling do feel that like way. That's the direction we're moving headed. there. Yes, we are. Are you trying to move a lot of those people toward townhomes? I, I think I so. Have mm-hmm. to, yeah. that, yes. That's what I do. I'm having yeah. that yeah. conversation. They're, they're seeing that they can just get so much more and just nicer finishes, and they're willing to compromise. You know, not having a detached home or the yard or whatever. For, for having the better day-to-day, the finishes and the upgrades and stuff mm-hmm. that you can often get in a townhouse that you can't get for the same price in a detached mm-hmm. home. I, I took in two first-time buyers on you know, this weekend, and both of them want detached homes. And I'm gently 
to the idea that they might go with a townhome. Mm-hmm. Because I know what they do for a living, they have two different sets, but they've got crazy schedules. They're working a lot. And I'm like, Simplify. you really need to yeah. buy and start thinking about townhomes. Let's start yeah. looking at townhomes too. And I think they're going to ultimately get there, but I'm, I'm gently steering them in that direction because mm-hmm. I think it's a better fit. Mm-hmm. But if they want a detached house, we're going we're gonna to do our best. Are builders in the triangle keeping up with the demand for townhomes? I don't know that I've ever had trouble finding one. Okay. Yeah, anyway, a resale. I would okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And either in chapel, you know, whether it's they in chapel turn or over. schools or whatever. Yeah. I, that I have never had trouble finding. I feel I, like I there's a lot. Yeah, I don't think there's any more of a shortage with townhomes than there is with anything else. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that's just okay. not building enough in general. Certainly nothing in town. I think actually with townhomes, kind of the beauty of it is they do tend to be sort of a shorter period. They have a shorter lifespan in terms of somebody living in it often it's people who maybe they're coming here for a fellowship or mm-hmm. um, they're doing something that's maybe going to be a three-year program or whatever and they see the benefit if they're going to be working a lot um, of, of going into something that they can be comfortable in that's close to one of the universities that they can easily it's a good investment it's going to turn over it may st- you know whether it appreciates a lot who knows but it, it's going to be low maintenance easy lifestyle and they're not going to have a lot of time to do any yard stuff and maintenance mm-hmm. or whatever anyway what and so I, they yeah. seem to be good about turning over pretty frequently so and I gently talk to used them about keeping it, right <laughs> okay so let's look at this like this is your first buy yeah you're going to live in it yeah you if, could keep, if it, keep it, keep it, and rent it. Depending on who they are, yes, mm-hmm. correct. If they're on it's an upward investment. income trajectory, sure. then keep it. Yeah, it was a, one of the biggest mistakes I made was was selling the first little thing we we bought around. Yes, here. me too. Um, yeah, could kick myself. Yep. <laughs> so I, yeah, I impart that. I'm not mm-hmm. going to call it wisdom, but um, that's, I have. It's so funny you say that because I had that exact conversation with one of the two clients that I took in. I said, "Don't think of this as your first house. Think of it as your first investment, investment property. property." Yep. Because in three years, your position's gonna change radically, your income's gonna change radically. This is gonna be just something you hold on to for right. a long so time. Right, so buy a smart one. Buy the end yeah. unit with the privacy in the back that's close to you know something that somebody can drive to or you know work, the universities, whatever it is. Be smart about the purchase. I do find it interesting that all of us have taken in first-time buyers like very recently. Like We see they're trying to break into the market. Mm-hmm. We may not have the inventory for them, but they are trying mm-hmm. to break into mm-hmm. the market. So That's important information. That's, a, that's, that's something that I've gotten out of this important. meeting that I think yeah. is like, well, that's really well, interesting. Well, also what's interesting, I think we all work also in the high-end market, right? And so it feels to me that it's, this, it's the middle. It's that... 500 to a million maybe where it's really just like oh this is tough there's not enough stuff but for first-time buyers yes maybe for the high-end buyers absolutely you know the million two million plus Mm -hmm. because a lot of times the interest rates aren't impacting those people necessarily as much as they would a you know a first-time home buyer of course Mm -hmm. but I think that's kind of interesting it's sort of all the stuff in between that we're missing (laughs) Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm you guys, uh, so there's momentum going now. You think it's going to continue through February into March? I, I'm watching oh, yeah. them to see if they're nodding their heads at oh, me. I into do. April. Oh, yeah. Into May mm-hmm. and June. I do. I, I think if there's going to be a slowdown, it's going to be when we get into election season. I was going to say the yeah. exact same thing. At past June, it's anybody's game because it depends on how crazy the election gets. It depends on how people are feeling. 
if everybody's like very demoralized about how things are looking for the election, everything seems to stall. Election years have been notoriously unpredictable in real estate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another good piece of information. All right. So we will revisit this uh, five to six months from now. And I sure hope that the momentum has continued for you and all of our listeners. And I wish all of you well. Any last minute thoughts? Predictions? No. I Advice? Just, buckle up. Buckle up. Buckle up, buttercup. Wish, <laughs> wish it feels that way. a happy new year. Yeah. Honestly. Yes. Happy so, new year, everybody. Stay well. Stay well. Thanks, you guys. As always, it's been great. Thank you. And thank you, Amy, for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me.